Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, dear viewers. Welcome back to another episode of Radio Islam. I am your host, Salat bin Abdullah, and joining me today is my co-host, Arden Anwar. <laughs> all right, and uh, today we have a really interesting conversation for you all. Uh, we're going to be primarily talking about two different things, actually, for today. Uh, the first being the uh, Democratic debate highlights from uh, just a couple nights ago, I believe, uh, just two nights ago. And uh, the second being social media culture and the superficiality behind it and the way in which uh, Muslims... Uh, particularly Muslim youth, uh, how they go about engaging and navigating uh, through it. So, yeah. How are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm good. <laughs> good to hear, good to hear. So, last night's Democratic debates, or not last night, I'm sorry, a couple nights ago, um, the debates were really interesting. Um, so, you know, we had the, uh, the uh, you know, there was Joe Biden, uh, you know, defending himself constantly throughout uh, the debate. Uh, you know, he's facing all these attacks from other Democratic candidates uh, competing against him. Uh, much of the issues uh, that were discussed revolved around, you know, things like, <coughs> uh, you know, healthcare, immigration. Uh, I think white nationalism was very, very briefly mentioned, I think, at one point. Um, but there was really too much uh, that was being said on that. Of course, Andrew Yang, you know, mentioning his one thousand <laughs> dollar monthly income policy, which I you know thought was really uh, interesting. Um, however, you know there was not much uh, mention of human rights, civil rights, or foreign policy. So you know, it's just really interesting. You know, with the second round of democratic debates taking place, we were able to witness what issues uh, took precedence and how each were prioritized. And you know, once again, American citizens would be afforded to you know. Uh, will be, they'll be afforded the right to uh, make their voices heard once again in the election process. Um, however, you know, with all of that comes great accountability on part of our leaders. So, uh, as our nation, you know, ideally, theoretically, <laughs> uh, enshrines, you know, the principles of human rights and uh, religious liberty, uh, you know, uh, they also characterize the components of American exceptionalism, uh, some would uh, argue and the need to, you know, export such ideals, quote-unquote. Um, so, you know, once again, you know, it was just really striking that none of these issues, you know, human rights, uh, civil rights, and foreign policy uh, were very, you know, not, practically not even mentioned at all. So, um, and which is, and, and those are typically some of the very, like, hot topics that take place, or that we hear about often uh, in uh, these types of you know political debates, especially uh, right around uh, election season, every four years or so, and uh, you know, although we hope that each of these candidates would take the time to address uh, one of the worst human rights uh, atrocities since Nazi Germany, uh, to our dismay, however, we were once again disappointed uh, the second time around. Uh, you know, in in, in this uh, most recent Democratic debate, uh, you know, we would hope we were hoping that perhaps. Democratic candidates would discuss uh, either the Rohingya issue or, in particular, uh, the Uyghur issue. Um, so, what are your thoughts on that, Aiden? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's pretty. It's kind of a messy situation because, like, 
the candidates themselves don't really control, I, as, as to what I know, I don't think they're able to control what's being asked by the yeah. moderators. And the moderators, I'm sure, are asking questions that are a hot topic within the United States. Sure. Uh, particularly that are affecting, uh, issues that are affecting, you know, our direct American community. So that goes to immigration, healthcare, um, <coughs> all the like. And so um, I, I always wonder, like, what, you know, if, if the moderators have a, a system as to where they choose, what topics are being talked about. I'm yeah. sure obviously they're going to choose like the main topics that we all know, but like, you know, who, who gets to control that? Because um, right. I'm sure maybe the candidates do have strong opinions about these issues and would want to address it. Or maybe they don't because if it's like a sensitive issue with, you know, with China and they're not trying to upset China or whatever the reason is. Or even like, you know, talking about Israel-Palestine, for example. Yeah. I know that that's a topic that would make a lot of politicians uncomfortable. Um, okay. And, and whether or not they can be super uh, open and frank about their opinions if, for example, they're pro-Palestine um, and then there's pressure for them to be pro-Israel, for example. Um, so, I, I mean, that's just one thing that I was thinking about, like, who, who has to control these questions and, like, how much influence can we have as a, as a, as a member of the public to kind of shift away, shift to make sure the conversations around these huge human rights atrocities are being mentioned. So, you know, we have the largest con concentration camps since Nazi Germany taking place right now in, you know, Chinese-occupied East Turkestan, um, and these have, you know, millions um, like millions of people incarcerated and that's that's a huge deal yeah and people should be taking this seriously as to what this can look like for not only the future of like Uyghur people there but also like the rest of china the rest of um and rest the rest of the world that, uh, that often now is becoming more and more closely uh tied to china economically and bound to them and forced to um remain silent on these issues and essentially kind of Becoming like a, a like a puppet state for China because of yeah. because of China's increasing uh, global influence, for example. So the U.S. when they're talking about like the economic trade uh, about in the trade war, this is something that should be mentioned as well, right? These two they can't be isolated, and and regardless of whether or not they're isolated, you know this is this is a like a moral issue, a humanity issue, and if China is, I mean, sorry, if the United States is, you know, um, is basically claiming that it's a nation with its values full of dig respecting human dignity, human rights, you know, freedom of religion, whatever it is, and it needs to it needs to uphold those values and not pretend like all the issues outside the United States is not our concern because it really isn't. And if anything, it could actually bolster the, the presidential candidate's platform by being like Imagine being like one of the only candidates on stage who mentions like the large concentration camps since Nazi Germany, right? right? That would make them stand out too, right? Like I think a lot of people would respect that, and most, probably most people who are listening wouldn't have have had heard about this issue as well. So it's like, you know, if they're also trying to stand out as candidates and have people vote for them, then this they should also be mentioning like huge uh, atrocities that are occurring around the world and making sure that this is a priority. Not just things that are obviously affecting us, but right. you know, affecting the rest of humanity. And that also will give a kind of a better light on how like on how they stand with just the a general like moral with their moral values. And I think that's really important, at least for me when I'm assessing, you know, uh, whether or not I'd want to vote for someone is like, okay, where do they stand on these issues? And that's really, really important for um, I guess getting Right. I mean, like, how do we expect to elect candidates running for, like, you know, like the most supreme office in the United States of America when human rights violations, although even though they're abroad, are of no concern or are they part of their campaign agendas? I mean, I, I think it's just very, it's very, it's very odd, you know. Um,
So, you know, I mean, and, and, and that also goes back to even, like, the president now. I mean, you know, although, you know, he's constantly tweeting away, you know, his opinions on, you know, current events facing, you know, the United States, the only concerns that he's raised regarding China are geared towards its economic prowess and, you know, how it conflicts with American interests. So uh, I feel like, you know, like the, the current trajectory of President Trump has, uh, you know, been his patriotic motto of, uh, America first, right? However, uh, it seems as though that also tends to manifest as or translate to America only at times, right? Whereby the only issues addressed uh, primarily revolve around uh, the United States Mexican border, uh, healthcare, and immigration, of course, as you know, previously mentioned. Uh, meanwhile, the Democrats uh, seem very desperate to compete against the current Republican administration and establishment. Um, so now the, it seems as though they're now attempting to embody the same platitudes, really, uh, as a means to sway potential constituents without substantial progress uh, in resolving those issues, um, you know, and, and, you know, at the expense of also, you know, ignoring, you know, foreign policy, which is a huge deal to many Americans. You know, I think that's most definitely one of the, one of the most anticipated uh, subject matters that many people look forward to when they watch these debates as well. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and especially when, you know, when we're looking at the Uyghur situation too, I mean, like over 1 million Uyghur Muslims have been unjustly targeted, uh, indefinitely detained and placed into concentration camps uh, by Chinese, by, by the Chinese government under the pretext of, you know, preventative measures uh, so as to, you know, combat potential extremism and radicalization. Uh, but in all actuality, we, you know, we're essentially currently witnessing uh, an ethnic cleansing whereby Uyghurs are forced to renounce their heritage, uh, ethnic and racial identity, and are violently coerced into abandoning all forms of you know, religious practice, really. Um, so it's only right that our elected officials address the plight of the Uyghur community, uh, in addition to other marginalized and oppressed peoples here at home and abroad. Um, you know, and, and it, it, it really just kind of, you know, some people would say, okay, well, is it really surprising? Well, in reality, no. Uh, you know, however, but, you know, in theory, it's just really interesting because, you know, historically, uh, the liberal left uh, has argued uh, in favor of social justice and egalitarianism. Uh, so, you know, while social uh, justice can be defined as policies and measures or orchestrated uh, essentially to, like, guarantee, you know, an equitable sense of, like, dispensation of life changes within society, uh, we also expect our elected representatives to manifest uh, or like embody like uh, such an approach by which uh, those who are essentially marginalized will basically like reap the benefits of uh, from those humanitarian initiatives, right? Um, so I'd like to mention that like um, you know a lot of the Uyghur community is kind of you know with the Republican Party's support of of the Uyghur issue, like right now yeah. they're kind of, the Republican Party is using any chance they can get to essentially bash China um, due to the trade war, yeah. well, that's uh, that's at least the, the trend that we've been seeing. Right, it's very opportunistic almost. Yeah, and um, yeah. the problem with that is like now, you know, we're, we're kind of reaching out, I mean it's not a problem, but it's, you know, it, it's a little hypocritical for these officials obviously to be like supporting Uyghur Muslims per se, and then also while at the same time like supporting the Muslim ban, supporting like the the atrocities we see at our own border for example um but so when that happens i i think a lot of the community actually ends up 
supporting Trump and hopeful and and kind of relying on the Trump administration. And right now, the Demo while the Democratic Party has been mainly silent on this issue, we're not really vocal and not really prioritizing this right. issue. Right. So you know, there there becomes like this weird. Um, I guess like a weird situation where we're a lot of the Muslim community, or at least like the Uyghur Muslims that I talk to here in, in the states, are like really hoping that, for example, uh, you know, the Republican Party does something. They actually have hope in the party and in, right. in, in, in the Republicans doing something. I'm like, wow, this is so. This feels so weird, and, yeah. and even I don't want to like support you know Trump or the Trump administration <laughs> and rely on them. But sometimes it's like with what you've seen, like all you see that these far right congressmen who like actually like co-wrote or like co-sponsored co the Uyghur Human Rights Policy yeah. Act, which was introduced to Congress and is now in the process of trying to be, you know, passed as a bill. But like, you know, that even the, even the fact that like most of these people who have been supporting it are like Republicans. It's just like, it puts us in a really awkward situation. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so I mean, yeah, I mean, like those who like, you know, uh, seek to like, you know, as I was saying earlier about like, you know, uh, the liberal left and, and you know, the humanitarian initiatives that they oftentimes tend to, you know, uh, uh, talk about and, like, embody and embrace and and take on, uh, you know, a lot of those, you know, people who, who benefit from those humanitarian relief efforts, uh, you know, include not only those who suffer here at home, but also those abroad, of course, right? So going back to the idea of, like, social justice, uh, which is supposed to be one of the, like, components of, like, liberal uh, ideology, I guess you could say, um, you know, social justice also consists of like different ways to address those issues related to social exclusion and inequality as well. Um, hence, why the Democratic candidate debates would be the ideal time uh, for the future representatives uh, of this country to bring attention to the plight of the Uyghur community in occupied East Turkestan. Um, so, you know, it's it's just it's really interesting, and especially when we talk about you know the the ideal. Uh, uh, you know, so some of this nation's ideals, right? Um, freedom of religion is, uh, tends to be one of the primary reasons as to why this nation was founded, uh, you know, uh, some, you know, 230, 300 years ago. Uh, so, you know, when the first, you know, settlers sought to escape persecution in Europe uh, in order to, you know, sever their ties with, their, you know, I guess you could say the religio-political repression in which they were caught in, um, you know, it, it, freedom of religion was one of the components that was uh, uh, often invoked, right? Um, and so it's now, it seems as, as if it's now like our responsibility in the age of, you know, say, American hegemony, if you will, uh, with all the power and like influence uh, the United States currently possesses to stop and prevent injustices uh, wherever it sees them or, or notices them. Um, so, you know, the, it seems as though like Democratic candidates should really know better than to remain silent or be dismissive when you know atrocities like this occur, um, yeah. <laughs> so essentially, Uyghurs are you know really just uh, really Uyghurs. It seems as though they're seeking to close the con. And correct me if I'm wrong on this item, right? So like the ideal demands as of now of Uyghurs and those who are involved in activism in the Uyghur community, uh, their their top priorities are to you know close the concentration camps. Uh, and to have other Uyghurs who are currently in prison to be released from uh, uh, their uh, unjustified detainments. Um, so, and, and, and that China must give Uyghurs uh, religious freedom and to live their lives without constant surveillance. And uh, another issue that's also really, uh, that's also occurring 
in light of uh, the Uyghur crisis is that you know there's also the separation of children from their families uh, taking place, much like that which is what's currently uh, taking place at the U.S.-Mexican border. Or even also like Uyghurs who are in diaspora, even if you talk to Uyghurs here in the states, many most of them cannot even contact their missing loved ones or mm. their relatives or their mom and dad, um, and that's what's making it's like eating people up alive. It's like you can't, you know, you're, you don't even know if your if your loved one's alive or not. Right. And worst case is like you can't even, and you have nothing to verify that with, right? And you can't hear their voice, even if you know they're alive. Um, you can't even hear their voice and talk to them. Like I have friends who haven't been able to hear, like speak to their mom or dad or, or relative in more than two years or three years, right? Um, and so this is affecting, you know, even Oyuj within the states, um, Oyuj Americans, even my family. Um, like my dad's brother-in-law has been in a camp for over two years now and we don't know if he's alive or dead um, we have like extended family members who've been sentenced to life in prison because they're religious scholars like it, it, this this situation is is I feel like sometimes you don't people don't realize how bad this situation is until you hear these stories right. or, you, or until you've been affected by it by affected by it yourself which you know God forbid like anyone else goes through this but you know it's a reality and um, I also want to say, like, maybe to close off this topic, is to kind of talk about in retrospect, like, let's say, you know, five years down the line, you know, if we're looking back and we, we kind of, I mean, we don't know how the media is going to be portraying all this in five years or ten years. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, sometimes we talk, you know, we, when the Holocaust happened, you know, it wasn't until after when people started, started to see the real effects of this had, like, the, the, the millions of deaths that occurred, the amount of kind of blindness that people took this issue with, um, people, you know, the, the Nazis were were also creating propaganda that what these concentration camps were actually um, like also like places where people were having fun, they were just doing their own thing, um, and, it's similar to how, and it's similar to how the Chinese government is claiming that these are vocational training centers. Um, so. Right, like, and but that we're at the same time on the ground, we're also getting reports and news about how many people are dying in these camps, how many people are being um, drugged to death, how many people are being organ are getting organ harvests. I mean, sorry, are they they're undergoing organ harvestation um, forcefully? So it's either in the camps or the prisons that this, these are taking place. Um, mass murder of of children, like we these are all things that we're hearing, and unfortunately, there isn't like open evidence to. Um, to kind of substantiate these claims and make a claim that this is physical genocide yet, but like I have a feeling that honestly, maybe five years down the line, maybe maybe sooner, that these new reports will start be start to come out more officially, and that's when it it'll be too late, right? And then we're gonna be looking back at this time right now, looking back at the presidential debates, um, this whole campaign, and being like, where was the talk of this, right? right. Why did we let right. another? Genocide happened, and this is the, this doesn't just apply to the Uyghurs or the people of East Turkestan. It also applies to other genocides that are occurring. The Rohingya, yeah, right? Like people, it's like almost people are becoming desensitized. Like we've heard about the Rohingya, maybe you've heard about the Rohingya multiple times. Since two thousand and twelve, it's really. like everyone's kind of like, oh yeah, it's another population, you know, being killed off. You know, it's but like we're we're gonna look back on this and be like, oh never again. You're gonna read about it in textbook. Like our, our yeah. future children, you know, are gonna be reading about this in their textbooks and and you know visiting these museums that are maybe similar to like Auschwitz or something, 
you know, God forbid, but like that's that could be the reality. And this is like the pattern that we're seeing over and over again about how careless people are. And like, you know, you could argue that with China, it's such an it's such a hard power, a difficult power to deal with in terms of what to do in these kind of situations. But it's like, it's, it same time, it doesn't justify anything, right? A human right. life is a human life, and you know. Um, God talks about the sanctity of human life. When you take one life, it's like killing all of mankind. When one part of the Muslim Ummah is, is bleeding or in pain, the rest of the Muslim Ummah should also be in pain. Right? But when we've lost this sense of what that's supposed to be, that pain, it's like, are we, are we even human anymore? And like, right. have we just become... Like, even animals, honestly, even when animals see their own kind suffering, they have even animals have a sense of mercy for one another. So it's like... Right. But again, I guess, I mean, you could always, always argue that with this with the world of politics you know everything is about self-interest like it's always more messy obviously maybe politicians do care but their agenda is so full yeah. with other things that are prior are becoming priorities for them and honestly it's just it's not something that they can prioritize or they see any benefit of prioritizing at this moment right so it gets messy and that's personally why i'm not a big fan of <laughs> politics yeah. but I mean, that's just my right my and right. maybe that'll change soon, but right. and it is important for us to be involved in yeah. stuff. But Most definitely. Just, just seeing how, like, how like I, I just don't like to see how dirty politics can get where everything just becomes about your own people or self-interest and then money and power comes into play. Because, you know, a big reason why this whole atrocity is still taking place to this day is because all the countries are... Um, China is basically buying people's silence. Buy, it's buying people's silence. So right. I mean, it's through, like, economic coercion, really. Right. Um... Yeah, so I mean, like, so some people may ask, like, okay, well, what, you know, other than, like, speaking out against it, you know, what else can, like, politicians do? What else can the United States do? Now, I, you know, I'm very skeptical and very, like, apprehensive when it comes to, like, anyways, in regards to, like, you know, I guess say, like, American interventionism, right? I mean, we've seen how, they, how that's played out in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, you know, here we are. What, it's been... 19 years, uh, 17 years, 18 years now since the Iraq war began, uh, 19 years just about uh, since, or 18 years since the Afghan war uh, also began, and uh, we've seen how incredibly messy that's uh, become, uh, and how those situations have been essentially exacerbated over time. So some people may say, well, should you know America somehow find a way to intervene in China? I don't have the answer to that, and I, I really don't know. So, but what I do think, you know, these, you know, like, in theory, like, our foreign policies should also reflect the means by which uh, de the Democratic uh, presidential candidates present themselves ideologically, right, so as to relieve the burdens of those who suffer uh, abroad, and here at home, too, of course. Um, so, you know, since the United States is in a position where it's able to uh, really, like, employ its strengths in ways that will really, like, consolidate its own interests, it should also... Uh, uh, you know, remain committed to also upholding the principles uh, which this nation is, you know, ideally like meant to stand for, and uh, to help uplift uh, the oppressed, right? Uh, so, under such policies, liberal Democrats should seek to create a degree of social justice internationally, uh, to the best of their capabilities. You know, um, obviously, you know, like, I'm not like a, I'm not a policymaker. I'm not a, I'm not a foreign policymaker either. But you know, uh, intervention is always really tricky. It's always very messy. Um, and we don't necessarily know what the best option always is at times, you know, I mean, it's, it's always, it's incredibly problematic. So uh, I guess that's, but that's going to have to be, you know, uh, taken up by whoever 
uh, ends up winning the next uh, presidential election, really. So, yeah. That's about it for this topic. I wish I could provide more insight and more political commentary, but maybe another episode could be on that with some guests, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Definitely, inshallah. All right, so right now we will take a break and resume very shortly. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, everyone. Welcome back to our episode. Um, this time, we uh, actually, actually have another uh, really interesting topic uh, here to discuss with you all today. And it's about social media and how Muslims, uh, and even just youth in general, how they go about navigating through it and what they make of it and how they employ it, how they utilize it. Um, I know Sister Aiden has a lot of strong feelings about this and a lot of thoughts. And <laughs> and so, you know, it's really interesting, too, because um, oftentimes we, when we think about social media in our day and age today, you know, it's, we think about, or at least I do, you know, I think about things like narcissism, uh, you, know, uh, and, you know, how it's turned everything to be so, you know, artificial and so superficial. Um, you know, even like, uh, just like from a more Islamic perspective too, like just the idea of just lowering the gaze and how we've been so like desensitized to, you know, looking at, you know, things we shouldn't be looking at online, right? So, yeah. so I mean, I think when it comes to social media, it's a pretty broad topic. It's a social media can cover a lot. I mean, it covers a lot of different platforms that we all use every day, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, um, what else is there? Those are like the main, maybe main four platforms that I think yeah. a lot of people use nowadays. Yeah. Um, and I personally, like, I mean, and people may have different opinions or different experiences with social media depending on who they follow, um, the, what, what type of, uh, the circles that they have, you know, because I think it all dep- also depends on the age groups that you're with, right? So I think maybe the elders, maybe people my parents' age are, gonna, are not going to be posting, like, certain things, right? They're going to be posting more, like, random I, okay, not random, but like I, I see with my like my mom's Facebook, for example, she'll just post like random articles, like right. share some posts about like some something interesting or cool, uh, you know, share some accomplishments about their kids on Facebook. Um, these are like really normal things that I you know I see them, and then or that you have someone who's a more social justice oriented person who's always posting about like certain injustices occurring around the world, and it's um, and. You know, they have like a certain agenda where they're trying to basically push for people to support a certain cause that's oppressed. Um, so there's different. There's always obviously different, very different uses for these different platforms depending on the audience and depending on the users. So, um, but I think what I wanted more more to talk about was the use of social media in a way that I think is becoming more and more damaging to our youth right. and. You know, I don't want to speak for all, but with what I've seen, and I'm right now, so I'm 22 years old, and I have, you know, I feel like I've been a part of, like, for example, Instagram since, like, I've had an Instagram since, like, high school, right? So oh, it's been wow. a while. But, like, it, it, like, has progressed and has changed so much. Or, yeah. like, the culture has changed so much since the beginning, right? So I remember when I first, I think, uh, when I first had it, it was, like, Honestly, like, no one really cared. At least what I knew, no one really cared about like what you posted. Like you could right. post a picture of the tree and like put like a bunch of filters on it and then put like hashtags on it, a bunch of hashtags, and you know you get like three likes, but you wouldn't really care. Or maybe people would care, but like it wasn't such a big deal. Like you, everyone's profiles look so like um, just like you know whatever they wanted to post. 
Um, and then I think as time went on, I noticed that like, especially like the youth that I, maybe I followed, maybe it was the circles that I had, but it, there became like this like tendency to want to post, you know, it became a lot of it, be, like you said before, like narcissist, right? Everyone right. started posting a bunch of selfies of themselves, a bunch of pictures of themselves, um, you know, and now it's like there's this whole like blogging like culture where everyone be, wants to become like a blogger. Um, within like for example the Muslim community there's like the whole hijabi blogger world um, and I don't know I just saw that like as time went on I was like I don't know how healthy all of this is because what I noticed is that a lot of people were posting and this is this is coming from personal experience of going out to hang out with some 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 of my friends for example or just like some people and if we're going out to like, a really nice place whether it be like like, you know the waters or the beach or some mountain like it's like a lot of it ends up becoming like not living in the moment but living for the photos right it's like right. You're, you're going to a place to take photos right it's like oh we need to go to this place but we have to look nice we have to dress up nice put on our makeup and whatever it is um and and so we can like be prepared to take cool photos right, right. and that's become that that has become and it, it, there's nothing wrong with taking photos i'm not sure you should, sure yeah. i feel like everyone you know I, I personally like to capture memories as well but like you know what it but it becomes a problem when it takes over the whole point of going to these places right right, right? people are no longer like living in the moment it's yeah, just it's so like you go hiking and it's like like here, let me pose. I mean, I would take pictures of one on top of one just to take pictures of the view. But I'm saying, like, right. but it becomes about themselves. It's like take a take a picture of me posing in front of this and this and this with this angle, and it's like it becomes like a photo shoot where like, you know, like yeah. you know, it, for example, the other day I went somewhere with a friend, like with a friend, and um, and she was like, you know, oh, like take a picture of me like in front of this in front of this in front of this and i'm like yeah. can we just like enjoy the view like like i'm, t- I'm tired <laughs> i literally want to throw this phone on in the water like it's really annoying like, yeah you know and it's like so it's like what can be my next instagram post oh, right? right it's like what can be the next uh, you know and it becomes so like i feel exhausted just like listening to you talk about this honestly and it's so like it took it took me some time to come to this conclusion where I'm like, dude, I don't want to be a part of this kind of culture. It's so toxic. Can you imagine? Like, yeah, and it's yeah. like if you don't have, they don't have their phone on them. I don't want to say they, man. I want to also maybe include myself because maybe I also get sick from this culture sometimes too. Sure. Right. It's like, oh, if I don't have my phone on me, like, how am I supposed to take this photo? I end an Instagram story, everything, or Snapchat, everything. Right. Right. Um, Whatever happened to the good old days we used to just yeah, go outside I mean, dude, I, 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 play I, in the dirt. I, I, I honestly, like, I, I'm so sure that so many people, like, they, because people are so consumed with trying to record the moment and share with their followers, yeah. like, they probably don't even remember what they did at that right, place, right? right? It's like, what kind of conversation, and the, 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 because of that, there's like, everyone's looking down at their phones when they're going out, um, the yeah. lack of, like, there's no, there's a lack of, like, deep, like meaningful conversations that you're supposed to develop with your friends or your family, right? Everything becomes take a picture of me, take a picture of me, yeah. right? And I, I'm not obviously again. I want to preface and say that like, I'm not trying. I'm not referring to everyone. Obviously, I know people who are like who are not like this, but yeah. I've seen enough of people who are also like on the opposite side of the spectrum where I think it's so unhealthy. And I'm just like, dude, what if one time like Instagram just shut down or like your phone just shut down? Like, what would we do? I think <laughs> I literally think we'd have we have like a yeah. disease. We have yeah. a disease in our head, right? And like, also this culture of like, oh, it's always about the self, right? It's like, why, why do you have to take a picture? Yeah. Why does every single photo, photo that you post has to be a picture with you in it, right? Right. And right. the focus ends up being that person. It's not yeah. even the background or the pretty view. It's about them and yeah. their cute outfit and their, you know, 
And like honestly, there, I, I also also want to find a balancing side to this. Like I, don't, sure. I also don't think there's anything wrong with like posting pictures of yourselves here and there and just being like, hey, look here, this is where I was this weekend, and updating your loved ones and your family. But it, then it becomes like this toxic culture of then, you know, just sharing with the entire world where people then make their Instagram posts like public or their Instagram uh, profiles public. Right. They get thousands of followers from random people, and honestly, like I would say, like. My, this is my, my opinion, right? But I think people need to be more careful out there. Yeah. Right? Especially as a woman, like mm. as a Muslim woman, putting yourself out there is just, I don't know, it's just like so many. Can you imagine like some, the idea of someone being able to access your, your photos and like stare at a photo of you for like yeah. 30 minutes or an hour? Like if we were in public and someone was staring at us, we'd be like, oh, this is disrespectful. Right. Or like this should, you know, this is like harassment or whatever. But I'm like, dude, you're you're also at the same time putting up photos of yourself. For millions of people. For millions or yeah. thousands or whatever, however, whatever your follower base is. And sometimes you can't even tell how many people are looking at your photos because it's on public but there's no way no way to count how many people are seeing it, right? Yeah. But someone can literally, like, save your photo, like, and, and stare at your your beauty for, like, hours, right? It could be, like, it could be someone you know, it could be someone, like, in, on the other side of the world you've never met, it could be someone super, super creepy, and it's just, like, right. I hate that idea. Someone, I remember someone saying this once to me, like, someone could literally stare at your photos for hours, and it's just, like, you yeah. know, prey on you. Right. And I'm just, I heard that, I was like, oh my god, that's actually terrifying, right? Yeah. And what's the point of that? It's like, also, you're putting yourself... You know, also, also, and so when you talk from an Islamic point of view, then you also come into the issue of uh, like evil eye, right? Like, yeah. um, if you're even when it comes to like romantic relationships, if you have a, if you're married or you know engaged or whatever, yeah. like there's also a concept of leader that's supposed to happen, right? Where it's like a protective jealousy on both right, sides, absolutely. especially when it comes to, um, I guess. The, protecting like uh, actually both sides honestly like it, it doesn't I feel like it doesn't really go one-sided but yeah. you know like that, that concept where it's like if you're if this person this significant other of yours is constantly flattering their beauty on social media for the whole world to see it's like you know where is that line that you want to draw and what's the point of that right yeah. are you trying to get attention from what these other people um, and maybe they're not but like sometimes you know it's it gets a little uncomfortable in that situation um, and yeah absolutely and I hear I hear stories all the time of like you know issues occurring between, uh, you know like engage let's say Muslim engaged couples where like let's say one party is posting a lot of pictures of themselves that that are maybe a little revealing or even if it's not revealing it's like it's really showing off their beauty right, yeah. um, but it's like the, and then the other person would be like you know what is this like I'd rather you not put yourself out there since like we're you know meant to we're we're planning to get married or we are married, um, you know there's I don't find a reason for you to like. You know, flaunt your beauty like that, right? Because what's the what's the point? Um, and so there, 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 there comes that issue that comes about sometimes, and um, I think it needs to be addressed. Um, and also, even and I've seen also even within like the culture of social media, um, within the Muslim community, like the youth, like um, like Muslim guys following accounts that they shouldn't be following. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or it could go the same way. I'm not gonna make someone yeah. do it. Could go both ways too. But like because hijab, for example, like the whole Muslim blogging thing is so real, especially like hijabi bloggers, everything becomes about beauty, like quote unquote modest fashion, um, and you know where girls are kicking themselves with makeup and putting themselves out there. And like, mashallah, you're beautiful, but like, and they're putting themselves out there, and then guys. It are becomes like, excessive. Yeah. Guys are falling to the trap, like following these accounts and liking them. I'm like, dude, yeah. like. What are you doing? The whole concept, what happened to the concept of lowering your gaze? Right. Right? It's not just in the public, it's also on like on an internet platform. 
right? Yeah. And I don't even I don't even go on my own like friends like profile page. I just feel creepy. No, it's just yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know. Um, but it's just, and it's like even even with the even if someone's trying to find another person, let's say sure. a guy's interested in marriage and wants to find a girl, right? Sure. Like there's also even like limits to how much you should be like looking at another person's photos. Yeah, and, yeah. And like you know, but like in the, in terms of like following these other like pages and liking these photos, like I per, I have strong opinions about this, but I'm like I don't think Muslim guys should be engaging in this, or like yeah. Muslim guys commenting mashallah on a girl's other girls' photos. Yeah, you know, I like, I, oh I think that's God. incredibly. I feel uncomfortable when I see oh that. Oh my God! Like I'm like is, if she. He's not if he's not your husband like yeah. i'm sorry like that should be that person is a no-no yeah like they should not be coming too much Allah. you know it's just it's highly inappropriate and it's it's creepy and it's just uh it's it's like it's unwarranted it's not you know like it's like for, for what reason <laughs> are you looking at another like a non-muhram girl's uh, uh uh photo commenting sharing liking you're whatever you're beautiful whatever yeah and like if you wouldn't if you wouldn't do that in you know like real life, why are you doing it online, right? I mean, yeah. we have to understand our, our boundaries both physically in real life and like, yeah. you know, on in the digital world as well. Yeah. And um... I actually came across this post on on Twitter a while back, and somebody took a screenshot of two people having a conversation, and one one I guess this is a conversation taking pla- place between two uh girls and one of them was saying you know how come you don't uh, uh how come you don't ever post pictures of your your man your your husband or whatever your boyfriend i, I don't know if they're if the other girl is married or whatever but um you know and then uh, the other sister replies back and she says you know we'll, we'll you know we're trying to avoid you know al hasad the evil eye and things like that and uh you know, and then the other person responds back, and they say, you know, but you don't have it on, on, uh, on you only, you only have it on close friends, um, and so she says, you know, uh, she continues on. She says, you know, she's like insisting, and she's saying, you know, can you please send me a picture of you too? I'm putting, on, you know, I want to put on, you know, positive energy for you too. I want to be happy oh for the God. both of you, and oh, you know, it's, it's I just, it's, inc- yeah, it's incredibly creepy, yeah, and the it's. The fact that she's it's, going out of her way just to ask for a picture is just really. Weird. Yeah, and she keeps insisting, and it's, it's just very awkward, you oh, know. God. Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't even like know what to make of situations like that. It's I mean, the, those there's red flags all over that. <laughs> I'm like, why why did you see a picture of you know my yeah. my significant other that's not really a business? Like, just be happy for the fact that you know I'm married or whatever. Like, you right? Know, it doesn't. But how he looks is not. It shouldn't be your concern. Right. And then maybe she, that person will meet him in person anyway. So it's not like why I'm like why do I have to send a photo to you that you could keep and you know do whatever you want with it. Yeah. I mean, not, not to assume, like, malicious intent from everyone, but, you know, it's, it's still, like, a very weird thing to ask. For it is, yeah. Um, unless it's, like, honestly, if it was one of my really close friends and, like, you know, they, they were telling me about a guy, I'd be like, oh, yo, like, let me see, like, you know, like, but, like, it's just out of excitement for, for my person, because for my friend, because like, they're looking for someone. But, like, honestly, but beyond that, like, if you're, but if they're uncomfortable, um, then there's no reason to, like, probe someone for that. Yeah. Um, but I just think we're also living in a day and age where like privacy is no longer like respected, oh, no. right? Privacy is like is something that's like that should be cherished and respected by others. And I feel like people just tend to be way too nosy nowadays, for, like unnecessarily yeah. and excessively. Honestly, honestly when you mentioned how that girl said I only want to share it from my close friends, like yeah. I know that Instagram there's like a setting that you can now like adjust your list so that you can make it so that you either you share with your close friends or with your greater followers. And I honestly think like. Even the close friends thing can be even more dangerous because sometimes that a lot of times hasad actually comes from people that are that you most oh for sure that are coming from 
those who are closest yeah, to you, even your absolutely. family members. It's terrifying. So I'm like, you know, you think you're not getting a headset, but you could actually be getting a headset more than this. Oh, yeah. Right? And so I'm just like, that's it's still a blurry line to draw. And yeah. Um, I, I also like, I don't like it when people are constantly posting, um, you know, like honestly, when it comes to like even romantic relationships, if they're married, like people constantly posting these moments with their loved one, their significant other. Like honestly, I'm like, if you want to make your relationship more sacred, like keep those private, those moments private, right? Yeah, for sure. Not everything has to be broadcast to the world. That just takes away from like the beauty of the relationship, in my opinion. From the sanctity of the relationship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like if I like when people post like long sentimental posts about their like loved one, they're like, oh, I love you, da da da, and like these. And I, I like honestly, I personally, I'm just like, you want me to do that on a public platform? Send right. a write a nice letter to your loved one. Like, Directly, so right? Like, exactly. well, why are you posting it to the public when like, you can I, send it right to them? <laughs> most people think you guys love each other because you're married, like you know. But like, there's no reason to be writing this long post on their birthday, like, and I'm just like. I mean, honestly, I would say most people probably don't care, mm. frankly. Like, they're yeah. not going to be reading the entire post. And, sure. and, and, and I mean, may Allah protect you. I mean, if people are doing that, may Allah protect you from evil. Mm. I mean, it's just, in my opinion, I'm just like, if you want your relationship to be more sacred and more beautiful, keep those part, moments private, you know? Yeah. Um, I... I yeah, I, I think there's a limit to how much people should be posting with their with their romantic. Uh, sorry, I was gonna say romantic other <laughs> significant other. <laughs> right. um, I mean, if people want to announce that they're married, I think those are you know definitely things that people should be telling with the general public if if that's something that you know, especially if social media is a place where they can connect with a broader community. Because um, I think even marriage is a big deal, and people should know that someone has gotten married. But there's like a limit to everything, and I'm yeah. just like. I, I'm not a fan of, I personally am not a fan of people posting all these things with their, yeah. their person. Um, and also, I want to kind of go back to the topic of uh, of kind of this social media culture where everyone's like posting pictures of themselves and yeah. flattering their beauty. I think, I mean, coming, I'm, I'm a woman and a young woman, and so I've seen kind of a lot on how this social media culture can be so destructive to girls' self-esteem. Yeah. Um, and this could apply for guys as well, in terms of if, if there are like a lot of guys who are posting certain photos where they're like showing off their body type or whatever, right. um, how this can maybe make a guy insecure or maybe or it maybe it could be good where it can motivate them to, you know, go out and be physically fit or look better or whatever. But special, but with girls though, I feel like sometimes it can be, like I've seen the kind of way that it affects, like some girls' self esteem to the point where it becomes. Like, like, all of a sudden, like, I've seen people, girls, like, starting to wear, when they've never worn makeup, all of a sudden start, like, caking themselves with makeup every yeah. day, and it's, like, it's come to the point they can't have a single day where they're not wearing anything, yeah. or wearing less, right, because it's, like, they're so consumed by this, this standard of beauty that's been propagated through these blog, bloggers, or whatever, right, like, then you have the standard, the typical, like, the, sorry, the typical beauty standards that sure. are like the air maybe the Arab features like the big yeah, eyes yeah, yeah. dark uh, thick eyebrows with a long nose cheekbones <laughs> no I'm telling you like I, I, I know what these I know what these these looks oh th th these looks they're looking for yeah. oh big puffy lips oh and I'm just like dude like, what is that um, and it's so obvious when like you know people are and I'm just like this is this is like there are little young girls who are in middle school and yeah. like honestly when I think about when I was in middle school we yeah. wore like a the ugliest outfits and no one cared. You wear like, and like I mean, you wear like the two piece hijabs and it would be falling off your head and like like sketcher sketcher shoes, you know. Oh and nowadays gosh. you have like middle schoolers, even elementary school killer like school girls like thinking about how to be the next like quote unquote hijabista, whatever that oh, whatever that term is. 
you know, how to, like, or if they're not, like, you know, or, like, posing, like, Kylie Jenner, like, thinking about all that stuff, I'm like, oh my god, what happened to, like, our good old days when, like, you, you went to school just to, you know, study and, like, or be weird with your friends and right. not focus on all these things. Right. Right. Um, so I just, I just wanted to see how this is, like, really affecting our whole culture. Of, it's incredibly of damaging, you know? Yeah. Yeah, subhanAllah. Um, it's, I mean, you know... Even even from like a guy's perspective, when I when I personally see guys out there like posing with their shirts off or, or you know or, or or you know liking other girls' photos or whatever, I'm just like like come on brother, like <laughs> what are you doing? No, and you know, it's, it's, it's a little frustrating more I think when when you know they know better, right? Right, and and then and then when you try to advise them, they there's like this backlash against you and like like whatever happened to the concept of like nasiha. Right, like advising one another and like keeping each other in check because you know some people may argue we're not our brother's keeper. Well, like in Islam, we are. Right, we, you are your brother's keeper. Right, you're you're meant to advise each other and uplift one another and keep each other in check. You know, fisa bidillah, of course, right. Um, but in this day and age where we're so engulfed in like this, you know, sense of like extreme narcissism and you know superficiality, it's like you know nasiha can only go so far. And, you know, and it's like, what else can you do? And I think one last comment before we close off. I mean, I was just thinking, like, this whole concept of Nasiha and how, like, let's say you call out your, your guy friend for, like, being like, yo, why are you liking this girl's photo? Sure. Right? And it's, like, a photo that maybe he shouldn't, he shouldn't have liked. I mean, also sometimes, like, maybe the tension's, like, really pure. Just like, oh, like, you know, she's an acquaintance, a classmate, or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm just showing support. But I'm like, yeah, but, like, if she's, like, flattering her beauty and you're like maybe he maybe he's trying to set off a message like i don't know yeah sometimes social media has like weird languages where people try to you know send off like subtle messages to the other right. person by like liking a person's post constantly whatever it is right um but i'm like there's also different ways to go about it right sure. like, you don't have to do it that way um you, if you are really interested in someone and getting to know someone you can uh, consult with your friends and go about it the proper way where, where you right. Um, get permission to talk to the girl or the guy and, um, and and go about it that way. But when you do that and then slide into the girl's DMs and you know it just gets really messy from yeah. there. Like it's not recommended, and then both parties are in a in a weird situation where then like they're like attracted to each other online, and it's like it just becomes this right. like yeah messy situation that I think uh, our Muslim youth community can avoid and should avoid. Yeah. Um, and it's just like the fitna of all this and oh and then I guess that kind of I was just it just made me think of like the Muslim matchmaking apps like oh my gosh match. yeah <laughs> um yeah I mean because when I think about the idea how like people talk to multiple people at once I'm just like oh my god that's yeah I, I was I mean I think I mean I told people who met people on Binder and stuff yeah. it's great to hear but it's but it's, time, it's also creepy when like and I've, I've I've heard like some brothers tell me before like oh I'm, I'm speaking to you know like Two or three girls at a time. I'm like, what? How does that work? What are you? What are you doing? I like, know. <laughs> you know, and like, I just, I don't know what to make of that. I'm like, is that even number one? Is that even appropriate? Right. Yeah, no, uh, number two, true. like, is that even like allowed on the app? Because I know like some of these websites are like heavily monitored by like uh, the admins and that sort of thing. Well, so I don't know exactly how it works. I've never used these apps uh, yeah. before ever. So I, mean, I, I, I wouldn't I, know. I, I, I don't think that the Minder people would be monitoring people's conversations. I think that'd be yeah. kind of weird, but. But yeah, there is like, where's the line that you can draw, right? There's right. even, obviously, opinions that like a guy and a girl shouldn't be even on a child alone. Right. If, if there's like, you know, that, especially that kind of tension. But um, yeah, I was like thinking about that. I was like, 
yeah, they my some of my friends who are on it, they're like, yeah, I'm not a fan of the fact that I, I'm talking to multiple people, or or I have to talk to multiple people because it's weird. It's like you match each other apparently, and then yeah. from there you have to have a conversation. But then like going about that conversation, even through text, is so weird. Like I feel like face to face is always like the way to go with these kind of things, but sure. it gets messy. But again, that's a whole other conversation with like the problems of you know. Um, of just people trying to get to know each other for marriage, and it gets it gets messy because it's hard for people nowadays. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. In, in America, so I don't I don't blame anyone. And this is like a I'm not judging. Um, so, but it's just like some of these things made me think like so the social media concept and conversations between like gender relations between online has made me think yeah. about stuff like gender as well. Right. Um, but I guess this could be a segue into a greater topic later on. Yeah, definitely. And so if you guys have comments or you know questions or feed, you know or opinion, strong opinions on this, feel free to leave your comments um, in the podcast. So. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Well, thank you all so much for listening. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we had a blast here uh, discussing the democratic debates and social media culture. Two completely very different. <laughs> it is what it is, and I think it's right. it's you know. Right. No, it, it, was, it was incredibly interesting, and we, we had a lot of fun. It was a blast. Yeah. So, Jazakum Allah Khairan for uh, listening, and uh, we look forward to uh, recording another episode on more incredibly interesting topics. And, yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.